Amen. I can hardly see anyone. It's pretty dark in here. Can we, can we have a little bit of... Yes. Oh, I look better in the dark. Yeah. No. Oh, you do. Okay. All right. We'll agree. We're probably both of us, guys. Um, following Jesus on mission together. So we have had three weeks looking at the Christology part of that. And we looked at Jesus is Messiah and that that's really significant. That Jesus is King... And as we just sang, that that puts him at the center of everything and that the king has a kingdom and that the kingdom of God is what Jesus was all about. And so we move today into the missiology part, as Karen just shared with us. And it's this idea that um, the mission of God, it's what God is doing in his world. God is not distant somewhere, sitting back passively wondering what we're going to get up to. God is doing something in his world. And so for us, it's about figuring out what that is and aligning ourselves with that so that we can be part of that. If we looked only at what Jesus did, if all we had was the four gospel accounts, if, if we only had those documents, what would we say God is up to in the world? If that was our only basis. And as we look at the person of Jesus we would see that he was all about announcing and demonstrating and inviting people into the reality of the kingdom of God. And it's a reality that we've unpacked this a little bit over the last few years. It's a reality that says this is what life, human life is actually all about. Being in relationship with God and being in relationship with others and being aware of what God's doing in his world. So if we look at God himself, the Bible clearly talks that God is relational within himself. We use the word Trinity, the word Trinity is not found in scripture, but we use the word Trinity to understand that there's three distinct persons of God, the Father, the Son and the Spirit, and they are not the same as one another, but they are united in one, and we often just refer to that as God. God is relational within himself. So it makes sense that when he created whatever he created, that the key component of his creation is that there is good relationship because that is who he is. So let's keep that in mind as we go through. So God's desire for his creation, and this is a major theme right through the scripture, is that he, his desire is that there is good relationship in all of creation. God is at work in addressing right relationships. That's what he does. And so we would argue last week, well, two weeks ago, when we looked at the kingdom of God as this main reality, there are two big pillars that stand out amongst all others through Scripture. These pillars that stand, that the kingdom of God stands on. And the words we see in Scripture are righteousness and justice righteousness and justice and that's what we want to look at today using a big broad brush stroke righteousness in the bible is often about right relationship with god and justice is often about right relationship with one another and with the created order righteousness and justice so as we explore those things today there's a bunch of passages that that talk about this but from Psalm 33 we read, 
For the word of the Lord is right and true. He is faithful in all he does. The Lord loves righteousness and justice. The earth is full of his unfailing love. And in Psalm 89 we read, Righteousness and justice are the foundation of your throne. Love and faithfulness go before you. Blessed are those who have learned to acclaim you, who walk in the light of your presence, Lord. They rejoice in your name all day long and celebrate your righteousness. And there are hundreds of other passages where the idea of justice and righteousness are really, really foundational to who God is and important in his understanding of human flourishing. So we'll unpack righteousness to begin with. So God's kingdom, that reality that we discussed two weeks ago, God's kingdom is one of righteousness because of the character of the king. We have a king who is all about right relationship. In fact, if we go to the cross and we look at what the cross signifies, it was so that God could bring us back into right relationship with him because we couldn't do that in our own strength, in our own understanding, in our own purpose. So God did that for us. That's what the cross is about. God is compassionate, he is gracious, he is slow to anger, he is abounding in loyal love and faithfulness, he forgives wickedness and rebellion and sin, and he executes justice against evil. That's the character of our God. The scripture is full of that. When we look at the person of Jesus, he was all of these things. That's what he got up to. In those three years of ministry that those four Gospels talk about, that's what Jesus got up to. We read in one of John's letters, in 1 John chapter 4, it won't be on the screen, but John basically says to us, and we would get this because we spent so long reading John's Gospel... So we start to get a bit of a feel about how John relates to Jesus and how John understands God. And John says that loving people, loving the people that are in front of you, is how we demonstrate a love for God who is unseen. We can't say we love God and then not love the people right in front of us. And he makes it quite clear in that letter. And so the original word, when we start to look at this through Scripture, the original word for righteousness is sadaka. It's a Hebrew word. And it's a bit more than relationship with God. It's more about um, this ethical standard between people so that there is good relationship with people as well. It's about treating others as well, with dignity and respect, because they carry the image of God. Because every human being has inherent worth and dignity because they carry the image of God, just in their created being. And so righteousness fits into this scope because of that. It's this idea in in Scripture, this Hebrew word, Sadaka, to do whatever is within your means to do to help another be self-sufficient, to be flourishing in life, to restore their dignity and to help them live into the fullness of who God's created them to be. That's the picture we get with this word righteousness through 
Scripture. And it just so happens that a church, a body of believers, a body of people who, who carry the Holy Spirit, who are designed to be together to demonstrate God's character and nature and love into the world around us, it just so happens that churches should be good at doing this stuff. Churches should be in a position where they're restoring dignity to people and they're helping people in, in the, the struggles of life and they're engaging with people who are doing it tough because this is what we are called to do in terms of bringing righteousness into the world. And I was thinking, okay, what's a good example of that? There's got to be a good example of, of something like that. I didn't have to think too long or too hard because there's this thing that exists and one part of this thing that exists is we do hampers for people at Christmas and it's called Coast Community Care. And I went to the Coast Community Care website. So if you don't know, Coast Community Care is like a, the charity arm of Coast Community Church. And look at what we see on the website. So they, we have a vision at Coast Community Care of hope and dignity restored. That's righteousness in action. We have a mission of affirming the value of our neighbours through practical love and care. That's what Scripture calls us to do. And then we look at our values, and these values are the same values as what we hold as a church. And yes, most evangelical churches need to have alliteration, so they all started with G. Um, but Coast Community Care has, has sort of made them specific for their own context. And so this value of grace is about loving without strings, not wanting anything back in return. We want to see growth, and that's supporting and encouraging people to move forward, to step into a life of some sort of flourishing beyond where we find people. This idea of gratitude, that we are a blessed people who are blessing people. Generosity, giving beyond what's expected. And genuineness. There's that awkward G word, had to get something. It's more like integrity, but genuineness. Seeing each person's true value. This has existed in Coast Community Care for years and years and years and years. So something like Coast Community Care is an outward expression of the church issuing righteousness and justice into our society. We need to be part of this because this is what we are called to be and do. Now, when I say we need to be part of this, I'm not just saying Coast Community Care. We need to be part of having a mindset in our world of stepping into relationship with people to help people be all that God sees them to be. So the justice, let's have a look at that. Each of us probably has an idea of what justice is. And we all have different reactions and responses and experiences with this. Maybe we respond with anxiety or anger or confusion or doubt or hope. There's a whole, I reckon there's a whole bunch of definitions in our culture around what justice is. And it's often talked, I think, about being a bit of an abstract concept. But from a biblical point of view, it's actually quite tangible because it comes through a person. It comes through Jesus. So 
So God is passionate about justice because it's part of who He is. God's kingdom is one of justice because of the actions of the king. The king is just and so therefore he brings justice. He mends broken relationships between brothers and sisters and different tribes and different ethnicities. He reconciles humans back to their creator. He offers an alternative way of life that heals every aspect and level of our being, both as individuals and collectively. That's what a good king does. Remember when we looked at Jesus being a king a few weeks ago, we said when the king is good, the people flourish. And that's what a good king does. Right back in the beginning, after the Adam and Eve story, we get two of their sons, Cain and Abel. And Cain and Abel is the first incident of injustice outside of the garden. The garden being representative of the place where God is with his people. And we know that went pear-shaped, no pun intended, because there was a fruit tree. And they were banished from the garden. And then we see this story about Cain and Abel. And if you don't know it, check it out in Genesis 4. But they both get involved in doing something they're supposed to do. And one seemed to do it in a way that was more accepting to God than another. So Cain killed his brother Abel. The first incident of injustice outside of the garden. And there's this point where Cain says to God, he has this conversation with God, he says, am I my brother's keeper? Am I my brother's keeper? This is a motif that goes right through Scripture. Am I my brother's keeper? And Scripture would point us to the direction that says, to be just is to be your brother's keeper or your sibling's keeper helping others flourish, caring for the needs of others, not being self-centred. Jesus would put it like this, love your neighbour as yourself. In fact, there was a point where Jesus was asked, how do I get eternal life? You probably know this. How do I get eternal life? He was asked. And Jesus said to this guy, well, you know, keep, keep the laws. Love God, love your neighbour. And he goes, ah, so who is my neighbour? And that's when Jesus then shares this parable of the Good Samaritan to paint a picture of who is my neighbour. And through the Good Samaritan story, there was this picture painted of probably the least likely person you would ever want to have anything to do with. And Jesus is going, that's your neighbour. That's who you're called to love and everyone in between. Because some of us will run up against people who we find pretty easy to love and get along with. Some of us rub up against people who we really struggle to even like, let alone to love and want what's best for them. And Jesus' call is love your neighbour. Who's your neighbour? Well, it's anyone who comes across your path. Anyone who comes across your path. The original word for justice is mishpat, Mishpat, which most often in Scripture refers to this restorative justice. This idea of taking a step further, of actually seeking out vulnerable people who are being taken advantage of and then helping them. Some scholars, some Bibles will have the word Mishpat 
translated as the word charity. But it's way more than charity. It actually means taking steps to advocate for the vulnerable. Doing what you can to change the social structures that exist that create injustice. But all we have to do is turn on the news and read a paper and look at social media or even look what's happening in our homes and in our streets and we realise this is not the way of life for many people. So God's response to humanity's legacy of injustice is to give us a gift. And that gift was the life of Jesus. God in the flesh. He did righteousness and justice and yet he died on behalf of the guilty. But then God declared him, Jesus, to be the righteous one because he defeated death and rose again. And so now Jesus, because he is the righteous one, offers his life to anyone who is guilty so that they too can be declared righteous before God. It is a gift. And it's not about anything we do, but it's about what Jesus has done. That is part of the good news of the Christian story. That God himself did what no one else could do so that we could be made right with God. We read Paul put it like this to the Corinthians. In 2 Corinthians he says, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. There's a slide for that. Or in the Amplified Version, I like this, He made Christ who knew no sin to, do, to judicious, judicially be sin on our behalf so that in Him we would become the righteousness of God. That is, we would be made acceptable to Him and placed in a right relationship with Him by His gracious loving kindness. That's part of the good news of the Gospel. That we don't have to earn this, we've been gifted with this. And so the earliest followers of Jesus, as we read, particularly in the book of Acts, the earliest followers of Jesus experienced this righteousness from God, not just as a new status or something to hold on to, but as a power that changed their lives. And it compelled them to act in surprising ways. As you read the book of Acts, there's a few times where those outside of the church, those outside of the followers of Jesus would look at the followers of Jesus and go, these are strange people. Why do they do the things that they're doing? It makes no sense. They're, they're caring for people. They're feeding people. They're taking people in who are homeless. They're living with these people. They're healing these people, they're selling their own property and sharing it with others. What a weird group of people. Here's where it gets real though, I reckon. If God declared someone righteous when they didn't deserve it, that's me, that's you, I think the only reasonable response to that is to go and seek righteousness and justice for others. 
when you've received it yourself without deserving it. To pass it on, to pay it forward. I like how Jesus does this with his disciples when he just calls them together and then he sends them out to go and demonstrate the kingdom of God. We read in Matthew chapter 10, be on the screen, it said, Jesus sent out the 12 apostles with these instructions, go and announce to them that the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God is near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cure those with leprosy and cast out demons. Give as freely as you have received. I reckon in terms of understanding righteousness and justice and what we are to do with this in our world, I reckon that phrase could be the key that you could just hang on to. Give as freely as you have received. It's a radical way of life. It's not always convenient. It's never easy. It's courageously making other people's problems my problems and stepping into that with them. This is what Jesus meant by loving your neighbour as yourself. We're really good at at self-focus and figuring out what, what I want and what I need and what suits me and what I'm comfortable with. We're really good at that. Oh, sorry, I do this all the time. I'm really good at that. I'm assuming you're probably a bit like me in some regard. Hopefully not, but... But in the Kingdom of God, the citizens understand that we are each we are one another's keepers. We are our brother's keeper. That's what we're called to be and do. So in our homes, in our schools, in our workplaces, in our neighbourhoods, we need to realise that all are invited into this reality of the Kingdom of God and we play a role with God in helping people step into that reality through righteousness and justice. So this is what God's doing in His world. This is His mission, the mission that God has been doing since the beginning of creation. And when we look at the whole story, Adam was charged with with taking this mission into the world, but he failed. And so God started again with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and their families, and they failed. And then the judges were designed to do something in this space, and they failed. And the kings were designed to do something in this space, and they failed. And then Jesus steps onto the scene and did not fail. He did not fail. So thanks to King Jesus, who is all about establishing the kingdom of God here on earth, the mission is back on track. The mission of God is back on track and He invites you and I to live in such a way that we are agents of righteousness and justice into the spaces where we find ourselves. This is, hopefully you're not hearing this this morning and thinking this is daunting. I, I would hope that we're hearing this this morning and thinking this is exciting. This is exciting. This is something that brings purpose and meaning and direction in life. And we get to be part of something so much bigger than anything we could create on our own whether you're building a company or you're building a whatever, there's nothing you could bring into this world that is more important than bringing righteousness and justice to those around us. This is what the people of God have been called to do because this is what God is doing. As we approach Christmas, 
there's a passage of Scripture that is often used at Christmas. It's from the prophet Isaiah, and he's speaking about the coming reality of, of the King, of the Messiah. And we can often read this as God coming as a cute little baby. And we have images in our head of nativity scenes and of greeting cards and of childhood plays when we're at school, wearing tea towels on your head and having a little lamb somewhere. They probably don't do that anymore. Could be a good thing. It's actually a passage about God bringing justice and righteousness into his world. Let's have a look at it. It's, it's probably familiar to you. From Isaiah 9. For to us a child shall be born, a son shall be given, and the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, and Mighty God, and Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. There shall be no end to the increase of his government and of peace. He shall rule on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and righteousness." From that, time, from that time forward and forevermore. Even when it's prophesied that Jesus would come as a baby, it was about him bringing righteousness and justice into our world. And it's what he's still doing, and it's what he calls the church to do, and it's what we have been invited to partake in with him. So justice and righteousness are central pillars to the reality of the kingdom of God. God is relational within himself, Father, Son and Spirit. God's desire is for his creation to have all relationships right with one another and in proper order. Relationships God with his people, relationships people with one another and relationships people with the created order. It could be as simple as picking up a piece of plastic at the beach and that's an act of justice. It's good for the creation to put that in the rubbish. It could be on the other end of the scale, fighting and being an advocate for people who are stuck in human slavery and trafficking and yeah, anywhere along that spectrum, there are acts that we can do every single day that are acts of justice and righteousness in our world. So may we be the people that God chooses to use. May we be willing to be used by God in this place, in this space, and bring restoration and reconciliation where it is needed around us. May we be willing to freely pass on to others the righteousness that we have received through Jesus as freely as we have received it, may we freely give it. May we see others the way God sees them, restoring dignity and value into people's lives where it's been lost or broken. One of the results of righteousness and justice being evident is this word you might be familiar with, it's shalom. And so next week we're going to explore how shalom is the evidence of God's mission being at work in his world. Looking forward to that. Let me pray for us. So God, I thank you that you don't call us to live a small life. 
You actually don't call us to be hanging on to a ticket to heaven and thinking that's what a religious experience or that's what a Christian faith is about. You actually call us to be part of what you're doing in your world and partner with you in establishing your kingdom and building your church. So our prayer this morning is that, one, we would be willing to give our life to this, that we would surrender our own agendas and our own wills and our own desires and replace them with yours. And in those points of our life individually where we are going to struggle with that, where there's things we don't want to let go of and there's things we think are more important, would you gently through your spirit do a work in us in those places? May we get fresh reality of what it means to be your people at work in your world, bringing righteousness and justice and peace and love and belonging freely to those around us because for many of us we have freely received that ourselves. Would you help us in that space in your name? Amen.